Welcome to the Sent from Disneyland podcast. Pure age relives fond memories of the past. On this podcast, we'll take a journey to the past and explore Disneyland and Disneyland history with mementos, snapshots, and postcards sent from Disneyland from 1955 to the present. I am your host, your post-host Clocky, and today I'll be sharing with you two postcards sent from Disneyland. The front of our first postcard has the Chicken of the Sea Pirate Ship docked in Fantasyland. On the back it reads, Pirate Ship. Happy visitors to the Magic Kingdom enjoy clambering over the decks of the pirate ship in Fantasyland. It's postmarked August 8, 1958, and I assume they visit the park on Thursday, August 7th, when park hours were from 9am to midnight. The weather was a high of 80 and a low of 65. The attendance that day was 26,866. It's addressed to a Mr. and Mrs. W.C. Barr and family of Berkeley, California. It reads, Hi, Pat and Bill and kids. We spent about 12 or 13 hours in Disneyland yesterday. I think we saw most of it. Boy, was I beat. The weather wasn't too hot, though. Saw Marineland Wednesday afternoon. It was quite a show. We are enjoying everything. See you Saturday or Sunday, Joe. The restaurant featured on the front of Joe's postcard is the Chicken of the Sea Pirate Ship and Restaurant. Built to look like the Jolly Roger, Captain Hook's ship from Peter Pan, the pirate ship, as it was usually referred to on maps and guidebooks, was sponsored by Chicken of the Sea Tuna. The menu offered tuna salads, a tuna sandwich, a tuna burger, shrimp cocktail, tuna pie pastry shell, and a fruit tart topped with whipped cream. When Disneyland opened, the pirate ship was completely built, but the restaurant inside would not be ready for another six weeks. The ship sat in a small pool of water, and over the years, more theming was added to the area, including more seating and a version of Skull Rock, also from Peter Pan. In Marcy Smothers' book, How to Eat Like Walt, she notes that the restaurant was one of the most photographed restaurants in America. The tallest ship mast reached about 80 feet, the same height as a mast on the sailing ship Columbia. The original plans for New Fantasyland included moving the ship and restaurant to near It's a Small World, but the structure had too much water damage and could not be salvaged. Pieces of the ship were used in the remodel of Peter Pan's flight, including the ship's wheel, which Peter is steering at the end of the attraction, and the lamp being held by a hook at the attraction's exit. Our next card has a nighttime view of Sleeping Beauty Castle. On the back it reads, Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Sleeping Beauty's enchanted castle stands guard over the entrance to Fantasyland, where guests cross a real drawbridge to enter this land of storybook and fantasy. It's postmarked July 18, 1965, and I assume the senders visit the park on Sunday, July 18th, when park hours were from 9 a.m. to midnight, and the attendance was 36,560. The weather was a high of 79 and a low of 59. It was sent to a Mr. and Mrs. Melvin Turgeson of Portland, Oregon. It reads, Sunday. Hi, family. The weather here has been warmer here lately the last couple of days. We took the kids to see Disneyland again. We went swimming, boating, and water skiing on a lake out in the desert yesterday. We all got sunburned. We are having a good time. Marlene and George. See you soon. Marlene and George were at the park the day the Plaza Inn opened. From opening day until 1965, the Plaza Inn was called the Red Wagon Inn. Situated at the end of Main Street, the Red Wagon Inn was the park's most expensive place to have a full dining experience. My 1956 guidebook, 
suggests that Disneyland guests find tempting meals in the beautiful surroundings of Grandfather's Day at this restaurant on Main Street's Plaza. It was built to represent the 1890s fine dining and included a precursor to Club 33. There is a door near the Tomorrowland side of the restaurant that was meant for VIPs only, an entrance for Walt and VIP guests. Similar to Club 33, this was the only place in the park that served alcohol. The Red Wagon Inn was replaced when the original Swift sponsorship contract ended. The Red Wagon Inn's fine dining was changed with an upscaled cafeteria dining which allowed for more guests to experience the location. Although not much was changed, Imagineer John Hench was brought on board to refurbish and design the new interior to the building. The Plaza Inn's menu has not changed much over the past 50 years. It began in 1965, offering roasted chicken, pasta, salad, and gourmet desserts. My personal favorite is getting the chicken dinner with double mashed potatoes and whatever seasonal or special event dessert they have, and sitting next to a window to write some postcards. That explains why some of your postcards may smell like gravy. Thanks for listening to Sent from Disneyland. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends. It would also help to leave a five-star rating and comment on whatever podcast platform you use. If you'd like to support the show financially, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash sentfromdisneyland. Special thanks to e-ticket patron Tania, C-ticket patrons Debbie Weinstein and Brian Crawford, and a special shout-out to Random Olive, the first patron to this podcast, and to the A-ticket patrons Elise Sharp, Zillot Infinity, Claire Voigtlander, Alexis Robles, and Maggie and Henry Byers. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Sent From Disneyland, or on Twitter at Sent From Disney. For questions and comments, send me a postcard addressed to Sent From Disneyland, P.O. Box 44, Hood, California, 95639. This podcast is not affiliated with Disney, the United States Postal Service, or any post office or Disney properties. Opinions expressed on this podcast belong to its hosts and the guests of the Sent from Disneyland podcast.